You are listening to The Andrew Miller Show. This episode was recorded when the show had a different name. Same show otherwise. Anyway, enjoy. Hello, everybody. I'm Andrew Miller. Moving forward, you're listening to Get Yours Today. Get better candidates, get better government, get better results. Election Day is right around the corner. And this episode, we'll be talking with Joanne Kuniansky, the Socialist Workers Party candidate running for governor of New Jersey. Joanne has a variety of work experience from oil refineries to Walmart, has been very active in the labor movement helping out with the Teamsters, uh, United Mine Workers, involved in strikes, a lot of experience. And let's hear more. There's a lot to go over. Hello, Joanne. Welcome to the program. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, definitely, of course. So, of course, New Jersey gubernatorial election going on. We have an incumbent running for re-election. And, of course, rare situation. You know, the incumbent, Phil Murphy, Democrat, is said by some to be the most progressive governor in America, or that he delivered on a number of policies or promises to make New Jersey more progressive. What would you say to people who believe all that and think the stakes are too high to have Republican check? Chitterelli win? Well, uh, we don't play favorites. Uh, We want everybody to vote for us. Uh, We'll take votes away from the Democrats and the Republicans, as well as the Greens and the Libertarians, because we think that all these parties um, support capitalism, which is a system of exploitation and a system that relies on police brutality, oppression of women, uh, breeds wars, uh, and tries to increase its profit rates on the backs of workers in this country and around the world. All right. And as for progressives who had it with Democrats in general, or who think Murphy just isn't the answer, you know, there is a Green Party candidate in this election who came in third place when she ran for U.S. Senate in 2018 and in 2020. Of course, you know, that's the one of the parties that's said to be very progressive when it comes to policy. So why should more people vote for you instead or why Socialist Workers Party instead of the Green Party? Like what are significant differences between Socialist Workers Party and Green Party that voters ought to know? Well, um, I think I'm gonna step back a little bit um, and, and talk about what we see going on in our class, the working class today. Uh, Because I think that the thing that really divides us from all these parties, Democrats, Republicans, Greens, the socialist wing of the Democratic Party, Libertarians, is that the heart of our campaign is that it's the working class uh, that is the only class uh, that's capable of replacing this system. Um, We have total confidence uh, in the capacities of workers. We think the biggest obstacles are what workers think of themselves, you know, that we need to um, be convinced of our own worth. And right now workers are standing up. Um, There's a a lot of strikes going on today and they didn't just start this year. You know, you have to actually look back a couple years, you know, you have to look back to 2018 when uh, teachers uh, started rolling strikes in the teachers unions, you know, beginning in West Virginia. one of the strikes just last year of United Steelworkers members um, at all of Allegheny Technologies plants, uh, you know, they had a slogan on their picket line, which you know has become like a battle cry. You know, they said the concession stand is closed, and that's what a lot of these strikes are about. Uh, the key issue isn't wages, although workers obviously need higher wages to keep up with skyrocketing inflation today. Uh, But a lot of the issues are around um, harsh working conditions, long hours, um, two tiers where new hires don't have the same healthcare uh, wages or pensions, Um, safety on the job, you know, that's a big issue. 
there's a big refinery strike going on right now uh, in Texas. Uh, you know, I worked in the oil refineries in Texas for many years. And safety in the refineries, uh, just like in other industries, isn't just about the safety of the worker on the job. It's about the whole community, um, you know, because of the way a refinery accident can impact, you know, all of the workers um, who live around those factories, mines and mills, you know, it's true of the railroads. So, you know, we're for workers control of production uh, and we're for rebuilding the unions using union power, you know, to fight for our rights. And we think it's through the struggles today, uh, the 10,000 John Deere workers that are on strike, you know, that we can feel our power, understand our capacities and begin to reach for political solutions that are independent of the Democrats, the Republicans, the Greens, the socialist wing of the Democratic Party um, that fight for our interests. Um, and, and that includes the interests of workers around the world. You know, we think the foreign policy of the US government um, is the same thing as their domestic policy. Uh, and that we have more in common with working people in other countries we have nothing in common with the rulers of this country. And that's why we also need our own foreign policy that you know, opposes Washington's wars, uh, trade wars and shooting wars. Uh, so those are some of the things that we stand for. And I think it also shows how different we are uh, from the Greens or the Democrats who call them, who are socialists in the Democratic Party, uh, who want to reform capitalism. You know, they want a little bit more for the working class, you know, so they're for Medicare for all, which is just a form of national health insurance. Uh, we're for healthcare for all. And, you know, we look to real examples of how workers have fought for change, whether it was the rise of the industrial unions in the 30s, the civil rights movement, or the revolution in Cuba, where workers in their millions and farmers mobilized and took their own resources into their own hands. And they've stood up to the United States for decades and they've changed themselves in the process. They had a leadership uh, that um, was socialist and they fought for different social relations in their country. Uh, and you know, they have different human values um, as a result of that. Uh, one of my favorite quotes on the whole lesser evil trap is from Malcolm X. Um, he said that um, the white liberals are more dangerous than the conservatives. They lure the Negro and as the Negro runs from the growling wolf, he flees into the open jaws of the smiling fox. One is the wolf, the other is a fox. No matter what, they'll both eat you. I think that's a pretty good quote. Uh, and I think that it describes the capitalist lesser evil electoral setup uh, where there's like a pressure valve that the rulers use to entice workers to blow off steam at the ballot box um, every couple of years rather than rely on ourselves and deepen our struggles. Wow. Yes, and, uh, and everything you're talking about, like whether it's socialism, the capitalism, of course, the way labels and isms are now among people, you say one of them, five different people are gonna hear five different things. Mm. So while well, you're, you know, the bad things you may be describing about capitalism, a lot of people will agree with, but there are also people who aren't, who don't think that when they hear that term. Instead, they think of, you know, their family business or being able to choose where to eat out or choose where to buy this or that, you know, so sometimes they may be, you know, put off by it a bit. At the same time, uh, yeah, they're also taught when they hear the word socialism, they're taught to think, ah, Soviet Union and all these bad things and the government controlling everything. Ooh. But when it comes to these worker issues, I, mean, I think, uh, you know, workers should be like the, like the one word that should stand out to everybody when they uh, see you on the ballot, because that's where the solidarity is. And that's where everybody has something in common. As far as when I was asking about differences between your party, green party, because of, oh, they're both supposed to be left-leaning, progressive. Well, you know, one may lean heavier toward environment and in this case, heavier toward the labor. But of course, in this country, we can't even get everyone to agree on the environmental thing. Now, unfortunately, there are people who think climate change is a hoax and then people who know that it's for real. Now there's, you know, some progress here and there. I know the other day I spoke to the libertarian candidate, Gray Mealy, running 
you know, for governor as well, he at least admits climate change is something that exists and that it's real. So, all right, at least uh, we could move the debate from whether or not it's something that's real to how to go about it, whether it's, you know, hey, there needs to be more regulations, more the government needs to step up its game about it, or, you know, some people may believe, hey, you know what, the so-called free market response to demand quicker, you know, whatever the case is, at least there's admitting that, yes, this is a real problem. Now the debate is how to go about it. And, but when it comes to labor and working, you know, no matter what people think about issues like abortion and guns and this, that, and the other, you know, when the rent's too high, the rent is too high. You know, I mean, if you're not getting paid enough, you're not getting paid enough. And that's where their solidarity kicks in. You know, there's plenty of people in unions who may not have the same opinions about the environment and all these other issues. But when it comes to when to go on strike, when it comes to demanding getting paid what you're worth, demanding benefits, demanding that, you know, you could be in and out of a hospital without going into deep debt, you know, that's where the agreement is. So I think that's a, where it's a good idea to start. You know, like, hey, well, let's, you know, start on this first. And then from there, let everything, you know, work out everything else. Now, I understand you've uh, had quite a variety of work experience. I'm seeing, you know, from oil refineries to working at Walmart, uh, being in unions and, and probably having jobs where there are no unions. So when you hear this uh, narrative, this common narrative about, well, hey, if you want higher wages or better benefits, you just need to work harder or make better decisions or go elsewhere, that kind of thing. Uh, how accurate do you find that? What do you make of that? Well, um, I'm going to come back to a few other things you raised as well, like climate change. But, you know, I'll start with this. Um, okay. You know, um, the working class produces the wealth and the bosses take most of that as profit. And, you know, our wages are a small component of that. Um, so it's just not true that um, the rising prices and inflation are caused by workers demanding higher wages. You know, the only impact that has is the bosses uh, have to lose a little bit of their profit. Um, now, we don't just start, uh, we, you know, we, we look to the fights that are going on because that's how workers are beginning to feel our power and understand that, you know, we can make an impact. But other things like um, a woman's right to um, access to family planning, birth control, and uh, the right to make the private and personal decision without state interference, you know, to have an abortion if it's needed. Um, you know, other things that you mentioned, you know, the pollution of the environment, um, you know, the drive to war. Uh, the divisions that are sown by capitalism, because that's one of the ways the bosses can um, weaken the working class and um, take more of the profit. You know, all of these issues we think are issues that you have to start from how they unify workers uh, and strengthen the working class and make it possible for us to use our power most effectively. Um, so we don't see them um, as separate. We think that, every, that in everything you have to start from what's going to strengthen the working class, that that's the starting point of, you know, what you um, fight for. Um, so um, today with skyrocketing inflation, you know, we think that workers through their unions need to fight for cost of living adjustments where wages automatically increases, prices increase, you know, for example. Um, and, and I wanna talk a bit about climate change because, you know, it is um, raised in a near hysterical pitch um, as the root of all problems, which um, I don't think that that's true. Um, you know, social catastrophes, you know, like the death and destruction during Hurricane Ida, um, where New Jersey had one of the highest um, death tolls. Um, 29 working people lost their lives during Ida. Um, we don't think, you know, obviously a hurricane um, is a natural event, but the social catastrophe is because of capitalism as a system. It's not because of climate change. Um, I'll give you a contrast. Um, the Cuban revolution, you know, it's a poor country, 
but uh, when they prepare for a hurricane, you know, they evacuate the entire population in low-lying areas. Um, they evacuate farm animals and pets. Um, they house people safely and they put into place volunteer brigades to start reconstruction and restoration of electricity the next day. Hmm. And you know, in the United States, you know, there's a message that goes out on your phone that tells you to evacuate, but there's no organized evacuation. Everyone's left on their own to try yeah, to where, deal with it themselves. Yeah, where, where do you go? You know, there's a total lack of solidarity and that's because the system, capitalism is a dog eat dog system and you know, the lives of the workers who are the ones who were forced to live in floodplains, you know, don't matter. Um, so it has to do with the system and it, it isn't, you know, climate change, I don't think. Um, and, and the question of climate change, yes, you know, there has been climate change and yes, human labor has an impact on it. Uh, but the root of the problem is who controls the resources, which class controls those resources and in whose interests, you know, you know, that's the only way you can resolve, you know, the destruction of the environment. You always have to start with what's going to protect the interests of the working class and the surrounding communities. And that is a question of which class rules, uh, you know, being able to um, deal with questions of environmental devastation, pollution, um, you know, floods, other um, storms of nature. You know, the same thing with, you get an inkling of how workers respond to this with things like the Cajun Navy, uh, you know, which we've all read about. You know, everyone was left alone during Katrina in Louisiana. So workers came and helped each other out. And now that Cajun Navy has gone into action again around Ida, you know, where people take all their boats and everything else and go rescue their neighbors. Or there was an article in the um, newspaper today about how um, in this apartment complex where working people died in Elizabeth, New Jersey in their basements, drowned, um, you know, it, it was evacuated, uh, you know, because the structure was unsafe to live in. And six weeks later, people are still in hotels. You know, they haven't even been able to go get their um, birth certificates, their driver's licenses, their social security cards, their possessions. You know, they don't know what the future holds for them. Uh, in a country where workers and farmers hold power, that would be inconceivable. Exactly. And, and as you mentioned, like all the different strikes that have been going on, John Deere, Nabisco, I even think in the movie making business out in Hollywood, mm. among the production staff, I think there is a something going on there as well. So obviously this isn't something that's out of the mainstream or an unpopular concept as you know, critics of your party or critics of the label you know, would, would try to tell everybody, like, yeah, this is just isn't America or this isn't what most people want. Well, apparently it is because you know, like every day I'm hearing about a new strike going on lately. So when we go with, you know, what, what's really going on and what people really demand and what people really want, you know, this is more in touch with mainstream America than people are led to believe. I mean, unfortunately people get caught up in the labels and the isms and, you know, they think of something completely extreme or different when, and that, and of course that could cause people to go against their own economic interests because they got caught up with some label and how they were told how to define it and such. So is, do you have any way of like, when it comes to getting the message out or when it comes to framing it, I mean, is there anything that you're trying to do regarding that? You know, so people just don't see a certain word and think, oh, uh-oh, uh-uh, oh, oh, uh, not gonna. Well, well, we do have a newspaper, which, you know, we think is very important for right. workers to read. Uh, and it's the militant newspaper. It's been in print since 1928. And nice. it's a paper that's written into in the interests of workers' interests. And it's got these strikes on the front page uh, because our campaign, the Socialist Workers' Party endorsed candidates, you know, we're building solidarity with these fights. You know, I walked the picket line at the Hunts Point um, produce market when Teamsters were on strike there. Um, I took messages of support and money to the coal miners in Alabama um, 
you know, from Walmart workers who are non-union, but that gives you an idea of what my coworkers think about unions. You know, we would like to be organized there. And, you know, only 6% of the US work, private workforce is organized today, but support for unions has grown. Uh, the latest polls say that 68% of workers polled support unions, which is way up, uh, just like the numbers of strikes are way up. Um, you can read the militant online. It's www.themilitant.com. And, you know, we encourage people to do that or to subscribe. Uh, and we also um, produce books that keep the history of our class in print. Uh, Pathfinderpress.com is a place to look for those books. Um, you know, because we think that one key thing is for workers to debate and discuss issues that are of importance to us. Um, you know, that, that that's the way forward. Um, you know, one of the things that you said was, um, you know, I, I don't remember how you phrased it exactly, but what um, hit me when you were saying it uh, about, um, you know, the isms and, you know, what people think about uh, working struggles. You know, it's really the, um, oh, and the left, you know, we're not part of the left. Uh, we, we're part of the working class. Um, the democratic socialist left, um, you know, within the democratic party um, and the democratic party itself, you know, has real disdain for workers. You know, that really came across, um, you know, when Hillary Clinton famously called workers deplorable and irredeemable. Yes. Or Barack Obama, you know, when he said, oh, well, I've met workers across the Midwest and I can understand why they're, why they're gun-toting, Bible-thumping xenophobes, you know. Well, you know, that's not what we find as part of the working class. Um, there is racism in this country. It's systemic racism. Uh, capitalism as a system relies on racism to divide us, just as it relies on discrimination against women. But within the working class, because we work side by side with each other, there have been tremendous gains made uh, since the civil rights movement. Um, you know, I was one of the women with thousands uh, that got into industrial jobs that weren't traditionally women's jobs because of the civil rights movement, you know, it opened up job opportunities for blacks and for women. Um, and by being part of the workforce, uh, you know, you have to rely on each other for your safety on the job. Um, and different relationships develop. Uh, you know, workers are less racist today, less homophobic. Uh, you know, there's more support for women's rights, I think. Um, you know, which doesn't mean that we don't need to speak out you know, against racism, but we're what we're totally against is um, the disdain for workers. You know, that's what anti-Trumpism is all about. Um, anything but Trump. It's lesser evil politics, but it's also a total disdain for the for the working class. Um, you know, and and we we think that um, we are the class capable of changing things. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, the two-party system. The powers that be that answer to big money interests. I mean, yeah, they rely on people to fight against each other and just weed each other out based on the differences rather than uniting together based on what they have in common. So yeah, pointed it out there perfectly. And also as far as New Jersey goes, you know, when it comes to things like labor protections and things of that nature, is there anything that New Jersey does right or anything New Jersey needs to improve on that you see would need to be tackled if you were governor? Well, I think New Jersey, um, like every other state, you know, part of the United States, part of the capitalist system, um, you know, there's um, the labor participation rate has shrunk in New Jersey, just like it has uh, in the United States. Um, inflation uh, this year um, is 5.4%, uh, which is the highest since 2008, you know, and they hide how inflation impacts, you know, workers, you know, they calculate the figures by doing things like saying, well, if you can't afford steak, you'll buy hamburgers. So there's not really inflation. I mean, you know, this is part of the calculation, uh, but the real impact is big, especially on um, the working class. Uh, you know, energy prices are supposed to go up 30% this winter. You know, what's that Ooh. gonna do, you know, for heating? Um, 
you know, and we look at some of these, at all of these questions from the point of view of work, the working class in the world. Um, electricity, you know, we think uh, that the whole world needs electricity. It's instrumental for development. Uh, and that's not the case today. Um, I was just trying to look for my figures, but um, a few years ago, um, there was a satellite picture of the world at night, um, you know, that was put out by National Geographic. And it was, you know, whole continents were dark. I mean, Africa was dark, except for parts of South Africa, which is the most developed part. Um, you know, which is why the question of the environment um, is a class question. Everything's a class question. And it has to start from who controls the resources and, you know, how we can uh, use those for the benefit of humankind, um, you know, which isn't how it's posed. Um, well, the Democrats and the Republicans, you know, the wars that they carry out at home are just the flip side of the wars abroad. You know, the trade wars, you know, which will lead to shooting wars at some point. Um, you know, there's flare ups right now, you know, with China and, um, you know, with Southeast Asia over trade. Um, the war in Afghanistan was a 20 year war, the, one of the longest wars in US history. Oh yeah. We, we think US troops should be you know, withdrawn from every corner of the globe. Um, and, and we think that sanctions, um, you know, are um, criminal. Um, you know, sanctions need to be lifted against Cuba, North Korea, you know, Venezuela, Iran. You know, they have a huge impact on workers of those, in those countries. Um, you know, we're for participating in the protests to uh, demand that the United States end its economic and political war against Cuba and lift the embargo. And we call out uh, these demonstrations that are happening in Cuba in November uh, by opponents of the revolution for what they are. You know, they are provocations and the US is totally involved in orchestrating them. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a lot going on. Mm. And as far as, you know, as far as like the actual role of governor itself, I mean, of course, there's things that just come out of nowhere, things that aren't quite predicted when it comes to putting forward a platform and running a campaign. And, you know, we've seen Phil Murphy uh, over the past four years during that first uh, snowstorm that happened, which wasn't nearly as bad, uh, you know, weather-wise as ones that New Jersey has had forever. But when it came to the way it was handled or... It was like the worst that ever happened. Now he learned his lesson from that and he kept it from, and he's been able to have these types of things handled normal as they have before since then. But again, it still didn't reflect well on him. And then of course, uh, COVID-19 response and all that. So is there anything like when it comes to those things, things that, hey, gotta, there's an emergency, you gotta think fast or we have to react to this or respond to it. Is there anything you think he did right? Anything you would have done differently? Well, it gets back to the same question, you know, which class controls? Um, you know, I don't think a lot of these things are unpredictable emergencies. You know, you see a snowstorm coming and if workers and farmers are in control of the government, you know, you begin to organize right then to make sure those in danger um, are evacuated to a safe place. I mean, that doesn't happen anywhere in the United States, not just New Jersey. Um, you know, they say, well, you know, the, the governor called a state of emergency. You know, well, what was done to make sure that those in danger um, were in a safe place with heat and hot water? You know, you know those are the real questions. You, you, know, you know, there's a lot of science that tracks these storms. Um, if, society was controlled by our class, uh, we'd be prepared for everything like that. And I think that the COVID thing, I mean, we've already talked about it a little bit, but, you know, the United States had one of the highest death rates from COVID in the world. It, it, it exposed to many workers the fact that we don't have health care in the system. We don't have a health care system. We have health insurance and we have pharmaceutical companies that make massive profits, uh, you know, producing vaccines. Um, and one of the 
the results of that is that the rollout of the vaccines was slow. And if you think it's slow in the United States, uh, you know, in Africa, they only have a 1% vaccination rate. They don't have access to vaccines, you know, because these pharmaceutical companies are protecting their profits. You know, they don't want to make their scientific discoveries uh, available for the benefit of humanity. Well, that's what we call for. Um, that's what the Cubans do. They developed five different vaccines and they wouldn't consider having them patented so that a poor country couldn't produce them on their own. They share their technology. They share their doctors. They have doctors all over the world fighting COVID, uh, just like they answered the call to help West Africa with Ebola, Haiti with cholera. Thousands of Cubans volunteer to do that because Cuban doctors and nurses have different social values, um, different social relations. So, you know, that, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, and you brought up the pharmaceutical companies. As you know, a lot of them are based right here in New Jersey, which, and of course, there are heavy political donors too, which may explain why uh, Cory Booker and Bob Menendez, even though they have that D next to their name, Democrats, they, anytime they're, usually when there's like, hey, let's negotiate to make drugs and medicines more affordable, they tend to vote no on that even when most in their party may vote yes. And yeah, I know I brought it up, you know, last year, you know, during the Senate race, because I interviewed uh, the Green Party candidate for Senate last year, Madeline Hoffman, who was running for governor this year. And yeah, I brought that up how just, you know, Bernie Sanders had a plan for making cheaper prescription drugs. And you know, a lot of Democrats voted yes, about a dozen, give or take, voted no. Of course, Cory Booker and Bob Menendez were among the dozen that voted no. Yet, you know, most Republicans voted no. You know, about a dozen voted, give or take, voted yes. And if and Ted Cruz, of all people, is one of the ones that voted yes on it. You know, the guy who always, you know, rails against socialized medicine, went on CNN to debate Bernie about health care and all that. Even he voted yes on Bernie's uh, bill for a cheaper prescription drug. So when you have two senators who are running to the right of Ted Cruz, you know, that's when you know someone's got to go. But of course, you know, they're still there, though. So, you know, is, you know, when it comes to even just in New Jersey, like, is there any way that, you know, with these companies being based here in New Jersey, do you think there's any way someone in the seat of the governor has any type of power to work something out saying, hey, you know, can we at least, can you at least not rip off the people who are in the state where you live, the people who work for you, who provide the infrastructure for people to get to and from working for you? And, you know, just I mean, yeah, of course, you know, everybody sh shouldn't be ripped off on these things. But since, hey, you're in New Jersey, this is New Jersey, can we at least start with finding a way to allow pharmaceuticals to be more affordable, you know, if not free, for those that are here? Well, um, you know, I don't think it's possible to just start with New Jersey. And I, I don't think any of this is gonna be resolved by legislation. Anyone who's elected governor, you know, who's, you know, tr promising, to, you know, is gonna run the state's interest. That's what this. vote for every interest of workers, um, everything that builds up our confidence and that builds up our break from these capitalist parties, that we need to reorganize and take back the unions and transform them into instruments that fight for our rights, that we need to build a labor party in this country, um, you know, that um, fights for the political interests of our class, uh, and that we need to build a revolutionary party uh, and a leadership that can be part of leading the coming American revolution. Um, you know, that's the only way that we're gonna rid ourselves of this system of, um, 
exploitation, war, um, devastation of the environment. Um, you know, and, and every struggle that takes place in the interest of the working class um, is, a, you know, we explain how it needs to be along that road. Exactly. And I know you keep referring to all the rest of these political parties as capitalist parties. And like, how would you, uh, like, what, what would you say makes like the Green Party a capitalist party? Because we, I mean, we know the Libertarians and the Republicans pride themselves on that. And the Democrats, well, you see they have the same don't, a lot of the same donors that the Republicans do. So you see that there too. So how would you uh, describe, like what would make the Green Party a capitalist party? Well, I mean, if you look at uh, what they put forward in this election, the Green Eco-Socialist New Deal, and, you know, they say that um, what they're for, they think that the problem with the Democrats and Republicans is that they incrementalize progress, that they're for more rapid progress. But it's all within the framework of um, reforms, um, you know, that, you know, they hope will make capitalism a little bit better. And it's not... Um, based on um, looking at changing society through class struggle, you know, that, that you know, they don't point to struggle. Um, so, you know, and, so, and, and the hysteria around climate change, you know, as I said, um, you know, it, unless you start addressing the root issue, you know, which class rules you're, you, you can't deal with questions of the destruction of the environment. Best way to improve the environment um, is, you know, workers struggling today, including taking control of production and running plants, mines, and mills safely. You know that that, that would uh, do a lot. Um, so, a platform of more radical reforms, um, you know, and saying that the Democratic Party's policies are too incremental, um, you know, that is not a platform. Um, you know, we, we don't have policies. We have a program that's for the fight, that advances the fight of workers uh, to eventually take power in this country. You know, that, that's what our program is about. You know, it's about unifying the working class. You know, it's about fighting against Washington's wars and exposing whose interests they're fought in. You know, it's about workers standing up to the bosses and fighting for better using their own power that's the thing that's the most important is recognizing that it's our power that uh, can change things um, you know that is how we will replace this system on the road to creating a society where social relations are different and solidarity, human solidarity is at the heart of it. Exactly. And yeah, that's what it really comes down to, the workers, the working class, because, you know, as long as people among the working class and the workers are divided against each other, then, you know, the elites could get away with basically everything. You know, like the one way I'd look at it is, you know, I once saw, saw on social media a meme where it shows, you know, it's a cartoon and it shows like a king standing like on a balcony and, you know, one of his advisors is next to him and there's a whole mob, angry mob group of people, a ton of people on the ground and some have torches, some have pitchforks and the guy who works with the king just says to him, oh, we don't need to fight them. We just need to tell the pitchfork people that the torch people want to take away their pitchforks. And that is correct. But as long as people don't fall for that, then that's when more progress can be made. And then that's when instead of people fearing the politicians, the politicians fear the people and work in their interests instead. Well, I mean, I think one thing uh, in that is true is that, um, you know, there is a real fear of the working class. You know, there is a sense uh, that the rulers have, you know, that the working class uh, today is taking action and, and they fear that force. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, I think that side of it is true. Um, 
but the but but we're we're fighting to you know break from this system to form unions our defense organizations to have our own political party a labor party and to through the struggles that are going on today uh when a vanguard layer of workers to the understanding that you know we need to um get rid of this profit-making system you know we're Every decision is based on advancing profits. Um, you know that. You know we we want to end this system of exploitation. And um, you know there's real examples in our history. Um, you know when big changes have been made. But unless you finally end the system, you know you're not gonna um, once and for all uh, get rid of the drive to war. You know the systemic racism, the discrimination against women. Um, once you put workers and farmers in power, uh, once we have our own government, you know, then we'll have the strongest weapon available to, you know, deal a death blow to these things. Um, you know, that, that's what we need. You know, we need a government that's um, based on workers and farmers and that acts in our interests. You know, that's why we look to the Cuban revolution because it's not pie in the sky. You know, they mobilized in their millions and they took their government and they've stood up to the United States ever since. That's why the US government hates Cuba so much because it's an example of what can be done. Oh, wow. And yeah, and then there's just about every other developed country, a lot of things that people will call pie in the sky here. You know, whether it's Medicare for all, tuition-free public college, things of that nature, you know, that's pie in the sky. Well, every other, as, as you know, as we all know, we're the only first world country that doesn't have that. And at the same time, you know, having those things doesn't stop a lot of these other countries from being first world countries. You know, whether it's Scandinavia, Canada, Western Europe, Japan, Australia, it doesn't stop them from being developed countries. It, doesn't stop some of them for having, even if people, you know, call themselves pro-capitalist and all that. Okay, well, it doesn't stop some of these countries from having a higher rate of entrepreneurs and small businesses per capita than us, or a higher rate of social mo upward mobility than here. And it also doesn't stop some of their big companies from buying and owning some of ours mm. at this point so you know again like sometimes it's just a matter of even when you just put the, the labels aside you know sometimes you just have to look at what's really going on what's the reality and you know what is it enabling and what is it not stopping from happening either on on good notes so is there anything else that you would like to plug? Anything else that you want the voters to hear and want the voters to know? Well, um, I, you know, I encourage everyone uh, to take a look at the Militant newspaper, www.themilitant.com, uh, to contact our campaign, njswpcampaign at gmail.com. Um, to look at pathfinderpress.com, you know, because it's the gaining that um, knowledge of the real struggles that are happening today from a working class point of view, uh, engaging the debates and discussions that are needed, you know, for workers to fight our way forward. Um, learning our history, you know, which we're not taught in the schools, you know, you're not taught working class history in the schools and looking at everything as a class question. That's what these resources, you know, will help workers do. And, you know, that's um, very important. You know, we also encourage everyone to join in actions that are taking place monthly around the country against the brutal economic and political war against the Cuban revolution. You know, look up what's going on in your area, take part in those. Just like we should join um, actions in defense of women's rights, um, walk picket lines, bring solidarity, spread the word about those fights. Uh, you know, that's what our campaign is about because it's about winning workers to the idea that we're the force that can change history, uh, that you can't reform capitalism. 
you know, that if you want health care, you have to fight for a different system, not Medicare for all, you know, which is just another form of health insurance. Um, you know, that's what our campaign is about. Um, you know, we're about um, fighting this dog eat dog system that has workers pitted against each other instead of unified and fighting for what's in our interests. Um, you know, that that's what we put forward. And, you know, that's what our candidates, if elected, uh, will open up. We'll open up every resource we have uh, to building fights that are in the direction of workers taking power in this country, uh, putting a workers and farmers government in place to replace the capitalist government that we have. All right. And yeah, when it comes to even just workers and even trying, when it comes to issues like the minimum wage too, like a lot of people who may make a little more than what's being proposed may think, ah, oh, well, I, I don't like the idea of somebody who doesn't work as hard as me making as much as me and this, that, and the other. If people are paid less, there's got to be a reason for it. Got to work harder and all that. Now, I'll say from my own personal experience, I've had many jobs over the years. I have to say a lot of the toughest jobs I had were the ones that paid the least, yeah. ones that involved that were the most physically demanding on me, the ones that required the most multitasking, the ones where I had to adhere to, you know, a lot of, you know, health codes and regulations, you know, preparing food for people, even, you know, people trusting me to prepare something that they're about to put in their mouth and to not get sick from it and not be unsanitary. I mean, all the, you know, whereas a lot of jobs that paid twice as much, and I'm not going to say we're always a piece of cake, but, you know, didn't require as much standing and moving around or didn't require much having to deal with irate people in person and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, what people are being paid, it's not as simple as, yeah, well, the harder you work, the more you get paid or the tougher your job, the more you get paid. I mean, there are some instances where some instances where that may be true, but most of the time, not at all. I mean, I really find it, you know, to be a false narrative that people are buying into when they object to something that is supposed to help people and benefit people. So I wanted to put that out there as well. Well, yeah. And I, I think once again, that, um, you know, if, if you visit the nurses who are on strike in Worcester, Massachusetts, if, you know, you took part in the teachers fights, you know, from West Virginia to New Jersey, if you go to the John Deere picket line or talk to um, the Teamsters who were on strike in Brooklyn uh, against United Metro Energy for the last six months because their boss pays them half what other workers in that industry make. Um, you know, go talk to workers who are fighting and find out the conditions that they face, build solidarity with those fights. You know, it'll, um, you know, workers are fighting to stop the steep erosion of our standard of living by the rising inflation. You know, there should be cost of living adjustments in every workplace that gives you a rise in wages every time the prices increase. You know, and, and that's why, you know, we put these fights up front and center because that's what's giving our class the confidence that, you know, we can say the concession stand is closed and we can take a stand, we can fight and push back you know, the harsh conditions being imposed on workers in this country. You know, the bosses, they put it in um, terms that disguise what's really going on. You know, they talk about how great it is. There's an increase in productivity. Well, well what does that mean? That means they've sped up production. They've taken technology and under capitalism, it's only used to make working conditions horrendous. I mean, look at Amazon workers trying to keep up with robots in warehouses. They have an injury rate that's among the highest um, in the country. So, you know, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about workers using our power to control production, to make sure workplaces are safe, to make sure they're safe for the community, uh, to fight for wages uh, that go up when prices go up. Uh, to fight for jobs for all by cutting the work week with no cut in pay to share the work that's available. You know, why should anybody work 16 hours a day? And, and women getting into 
jobs, the, you know, the, the result of that is it improves the working conditions for all, you know, because equipment exists, you know, to do jobs safely for every worker to do job safely, you know, not just a special allowance uh, for the woman who clearly can't lift 50 pounds, but the man shouldn't be doing it either. So, you know, this is what we're fighting for. Um, it's for workers to use our power um, and through those struggles to understand that we need our own political party and, you know, we need to change this system of exploitation to replace it. You know, that's what we need to do. All right, excellent. Well, thank you for being on the show and good luck this coming Tuesday. Well, thanks. And I, once more, I just want to encourage people to vote Joanne Kuniansky for governor, Socialist Workers Party endorsed candidate, and Vivian Sonner for lieutenant governor, Socialist Workers Party endorsed candidate. That's voting for what you're for, not for what you're against. Exactly. Well, there you have it. It's amazing. Any issue, any crisis, it all be traced down to class solidarity. So let's not forget where we're from. Let's not forget what we all have in common. So it's official. Every candidate outside of the two major parties running in this year's New Jersey gubernatorial election, running for governor, has been a guest on this program. Just a couple days ago, I spoke with Greg Mealy with the Libertarian Party and the Green Party candidate Madeline Hoffman was a guest on this program last year when she ran for U.S. Senate. So feel free to listen to those episodes as well. Also feel free to like and follow Get Yours Today on Facebook. And also feel free to support the show through Anchor and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You could follow it on Apple as well. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and other platforms that I never heard of otherwise, such as Raker and Radio Public. It goes on. So definitely stay tuned. Listen to all these awesome episodes, really weigh things out. And in the meantime, peace out.